3: In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best the best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage. And no one delivers like the Bill Michaels huddle.
2: Packers get knocked off in Tampa Bay, and this week they get their sights set now on the Houston Texans. Welcome to the program. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle, and thanks for those of you who were watching just a little while ago, as we did some Facebook Live from the Wagon Wheel. We're normally in a uh, well, a pub or a grill or whatever you want to call it uh, on Thursday nights. We're brought to you by our friends at Bud Light and Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good flavors in cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, and strawberry, but uh, we're not able to share with you uh, this season, at least not for right now anyway. As uh, we're all in our uh, respective homes and or and our places of Zoom, if you will, joining me tonight on the panel, Kevin Holden from CBS fifty eight, also Christina Tussaud, also from CBS fifty eight. Kevin, how you been, buddy?
4: Man, it's all good. Uh, talking football, having fun, and just uh, just making it through the season. I, I, I guess. This is a little bit of a, a reality check for us, as opposed to these first three or four weeks when that zero was in the loss column. That that number one in the loss column will make you reassess some things. So I'm curious to see how this thing shakes out tonight.
2: Yeah, we're going to uh, discuss a lot about what happened in Sa- in Tampa Bay on Sunday. Christina, how you doing?
0: Hi, guys. It's good to be here.
2: Glad to have you. So let me start r- right away uh, with the Packers. Can the Packers win? We saw this team get down and get really kind of pushed around a little bit. And I had said it at the beginning of the season. I said, look, I think this team can sustain. They've got terrific play calling, a lot of misdirection. They do a lot of things well. They can sustain drives. But if they get down by two or three scores, can they come back and come back in a hurry? And uh, we saw that they really struggled against a solid defense, obviously being down by three scores in this contest. So, Christina, let me start with you. Can the Packers win – when they absolutely need to come from behind by two or more scores?
0: Yes, and the answer for me will always be Aaron Rodgers. When we need Aaron Rodgers occasionally to come up with this vintage performance, I think that he can still kind of uh, kind of create that magic for this team. Did it happen in Tampa? No, not necessarily. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of questions this week about, was this a fluke or is this the start of, of a trend for the Packers? And I tend to think that it was, it was a little bit more – of a fluke, uh, the reoccurring message that seemed to be coming out of Packers camp for the last week was that their week of preparation leading up to the Bucks game was just piss poor, <laughs> um, and I think that that kind of needs to be the defining difference if they plan to bounce back against the Texans. Given our interactions with the team this week, though, I'm just going to bring up the elephant in the room: What is going on? In Green Bay right now, Aaron Rodgers in the absolute worst mood, the most uncomfortable twenty minutes of my life during a press conference yesterday. They needed a swing in momentum at practice. This was a sign that he is not getting that right now. Is what I felt.
2: Kevin, uh, give me your thoughts as to, and I I heard the presser. We played it uh, today on the program. Uh, it was a little testy. I, and I don't know whether maybe some of the questions are getting to him or maybe some of the things that were said about him nationally now questioning him all over again. I'm sure he's rolling his eyes going, God, what do I got to do just to get a little bit of respect because people seem to want to jump on me the minute things go wrong. But uh, give me your thoughts on all of that.
4: Yeah, it's uh, when you're when you're a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you, the thing you have to remember about his game, what has separated him from from really even any other quarterback of this generation is how much of a perfectionist he is, how good he is when you're talking about touchdowns versus interceptions, when you're talking about completion rate, when you're talking about not making mistakes. And there have been times in the past where we've criticized Rogers for either holding onto the ball too long or taking, taking a sack, taking something where he didn't want to throw an interception, but that is who he is. So this is a man who is a competitor and is upset by the fact that the wheels literally fell off. And uh, remember this was a team that, that drove down in that first quarter against Tampa Bay, 10 plays and 54 yards to lead to the opening field goal, 11 plays and 80 yards to lead to the Aaron Jones touchdown. So at that point, when the second quarter begins, an undefeated team has a ten to nothing lead, and I mean, it's just you turn your head and it was gone. And that, to me, is one of those things that leads you to search for answers. And if you're someone like Rogers, who again demands perfection, wants it from himself, wants it from his teammates, to see that sort of thing happen, it's going to make you pretty unhappy. And and it's obvious, as Christina said, that uh, yeah, he was he's bugged a little bit right now. And and as a competitor, maybe that's okay is the
2: criticism that was heaped nationally on aaron rodgers is it warranted
4: at all and kevin i'll go back wow, to you that's that's, a, that's a, an interesting question because we we keep waiting i think it's funny that the, for the last how many ever years we keep waiting for this moment of uh when when mortality will catch up to rodgers whether it's you know talking about number of years in the league age any of this other stuff, you know what what has changed in in his in his game, and the truth is that uh, right now in 2020 with this team, the way it's assembled, the way they have this this run game, and you've got Aaron Jones and other options now. Uh, I, Aaron Rodgers isn't statistically the same quarterback, but he also doesn't have to be the same quarterback. He's not uh, 2011 where there was no defense and every win was 45-38. He's not twenty-fifteen or 16 when he has to go and tell everybody we're going to run the table and then rattle off this string of wins seemingly on his own back to get to the NFC Championship game. I feel like the team in general is is better, is stronger, more well-rounded, and that means that Rogers doesn't have to be that same guy that he was before. So going back to your question about the criticism nationally, I think if they're making the comparison, you're talking about two different things. This Rogers might not look so good on those teams because those teams really desperately needed someone to be everything, the offense completely. Uh, they don't have to do that anymore. So I, I'm not sure if you're using past seasons as comparison, I'm not sure it's hundred percent fair because it's a different type of Packers team. It's a team that when they give up 38 now, it's a huge huge story and that's uh the, the, to me that would be the more fair criticism is uh, is where does that defense stand right now.
2: Christina, do you think that uh, some of the national narrative on Aaron Rodgers after just one loss has been too uh too coming down so to speak?
0: Oh, definitely. I I don't think that one loss warrants this kind of response especially for a guy that attracted so much attention because of two picks that he never typically would give up in a game if this is a guy that's been playing in the league for two three seasons and this is a game that he delivers I think that you hit the panic button just a little bit more but I do think that we need to relax a little bit Aaron Rodgers has kept a pretty clean sheet in in regards to the you know, the, the interception to touchdown ratio. He's, he's a guy that that is pretty precise. And I think that last Sunday was really an anomaly. I think it's something that we just don't see out of him very often. And I can't help, but wonder if, if the Brady Rogers matchup kind of played into a little, a little bit, they're constantly being compared to each other so much. And you kind of wanted to see Aaron Rodgers come out of that matchup, looking, looking better than Brady. and he, he He just didn't. And but I don't think it's time I don't think it's time to panic, and I don't think that that one loss warrants that kind of uh kind of response.
2: You had mentioned in Aaron Rodgers a little testy. He was asked why do you seem so mad? Here's what he had to say.
1: I'm definitely not down in the dumps, so don't don't project yeah. that onto me. Because that's okay. that's not a reality.
2: Not down in the dumps.
0: <laughs> so that's uh, how okay. I sound when I'm not down in the dumps, right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs>
2: I I I get you know what it's it's more so what you don't say, than what he did say. You, you know he's not down in the dumps, but he can certainly be upset with something. You know what I mean? It's certainly there's there's something that uh, has sparked uh, a little bit of uh, I don't want to want to say testiness, but uh, a shortness to him. And well, we'll talk more about that. Go ahead.
0: Real, well, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I, I have to say my my personal favorites from yesterday was when somebody asked, "Is someone in the locker room?" Stepped up in the face of adversity after your first loss of the season. And his response was, no, but it's only Wednesday. So that's not the kind of rah that you want leading into another matchup.
2: No, I, I I completely agree, and and I think part of it is is maybe he's just looking at us it saying it's one loss. We we just played a bad game. We just came out of it and played a bad game. It's one loss. It's it's not like all of a sudden you know we're uh, we're out of the postseason. It's one loss. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this, and also. Uh, we'll talk about uh, one of the other issues that people want to point the finger at, and I think it's absolutely ludicrous. I'll tell you what it is when we come back. Stay tuned. Kevin Holden from CBS 58, along with Christina Tussell, also from CBS 58. It's the Bill Michaels subtle. presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We've got more right after this.
3: Wisconsin wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
1: time you get punched in the mouth like that and really beaten handily in all three phases, you've got to be critical of yourself and learn from your mistakes. And the big thing that we cannot allow this loss to lead into a bad performance versus a really talented Houston Texan team. So you just can't allow one loss to become two.
2: Matt LaFleur talking about uh, the Bucks' loss going into this week. Heading into Houston, Uh, the good news is the Packers' first visit to Houston since the 42-24 win back in 2012. And while the Packers have only played at the uh, Texans twice, it has played in the state of Texas now six times since 2010, including the postseason, and won every game, defeating the Cowboys four times and the Pittsburgh Steelers in Dallas, don't forget, for the Super Bowl. And each of those six contests, including the Texans, the Packers have scored over 30, which they need now to put the offense back on track so to speak 31 42 37 34 35 and 34 so hopefully that trend continues welcome back it's a bill michaels huddle brought to you by our good friends over there at uh, bud light seltzer naturally carbonated gluten-free and includes no artificial flavors go to budlight.com joining us kevin holden from cbs 58 also christina Tussaud from the same and uh, i wanted to get back uh, to uh, a question that i had posed to me saying that, uh, you know, well, it was a return of Devontae Adams and forcing the football, and that's what caused the turnovers. And uh, I think uh, the arguments of, look, they they threw to Devontae Adams 17 times in a win against the Vikings. He caught 14 of them. Nobody complained about it. Then all of a sudden a couple of picks happen, and uh, it's the worst thing in the world uh and uh, Christina I'll start with you but the return of Devontae Adams is almost a ridiculous excuse for the loss when people want to point the finger by saying Devontae uh takes the focus away from everybody else would you agree
0: oh gosh this is a tough one um sure I guess I would but I also feel like Sometimes the Packers are just a better team when Devontae's not playing. I look at what happened last year, and you know they they won four games with with him on the sidelines. Um, you know they won the game where he where he went out. I think it was against against the Lions. Um,
2: was it Philadelphia or the Lions?
0: Maybe it was. I, I, this, it was. I'm talking about this. Was season. it the Lions?
2: I think it was the Lions. You're right.
0: Yeah. Um, <sighs> I just don't I don't put as much credence into Devontae Adams as everybody else does. I get that he is a great receiver. I get that he is the Packers' top receiver. Um he he has proven that. But I, I just look at other people that step up on this on this team week in and week out, and there are different heroes as we go throughout the Packers season each and every game. We had Aaron Jones against the Vikings, we had Robert Tanyan against the Falcons, we had Alan Lazard against the Saints. I I'm sorry, I just, I think the Packers can win with or without Devontae Adams.
2: Kevin, I've said they can win without him, but can they go deep into the postseason
4: without him? They, the one thing that we know they're going to have trouble doing without him is dealing with some of the more elite <laughs> defenses in the game. I think that's, and, and in the end of the day, I think if we come back in December and we start talking about this Tampa Bay matchup, and we look back with with the you know two or three months of knowledge of the teams, I think we're gonna look back and say, you know what? Tampa Bay is a really good defense. And then once they wrestled control of that game, they just maintained control of that game. The truth is, the team that's allowed the fewest number of yards per game in the NFL is Tampa Bay. The team that's allowed the fewest number of rushing yards per game in the NFL is Tampa Bay. So I I the it's it's tough for me to make that decision about Devontae Adams based on a game against a team that I think we're eventually going to look at when this is over and say, maybe that's one of the elite defenses in the NFL. Uh, I I still think he's in terms of experience, in terms of what he can get you among the receivers on the roster. I do think he's important, but I think that, you know, as Christina said, the thing that, uh, that balances it out Aaron Rodgers makes other players into superstars and he's done that his whole career. So, uh, you know, Devontae is a very good player, but essential, I don't know. I think Rodgers will find a way to make his heroes on the field.
2: So, Kevin was the play calling then more the problem against the Bucks and then in addition to that, I can take it a step further in the fact that the plays seemingly at times got in late and they got out of the huddle late so more so as aaron Rodgers and matt lafleur talked about going into the bye week when everything was in quote a good flow they just couldn't find that flow when they came back and that is ultimately what did them in
4: yeah and i i think when when you're talking about play calling when you're talking about the flow of the game once that momentum turn had happened i think the the thing that you learned uh, that you didn't know at this point is is that old adage about everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And that is that's what happened to them for literally, I think, the first time uh, in the 2020 season. They, they got they, they landed, you know, the opponent landed a punch to the mouth. And it's you know, there's a little bit of a jarring aspect to that. It doesn't just change. Uh, You know your your game calling or your game situational stuff because you're behind instead of ahead. It also changes the rhythm it changes the confidence it changes the momentum and that's a first Uh, it's you know something that the the Packers hadn't really dealt with the Vikings did put together a, a little bit of a stretch in that first week but. To me, that that's where the difference was. Yeah, I think you could say, okay, the play calling and the flow of it was a little different. Not because there were you know major changes or because something you know because LaFleur suddenly lost intelligence or Rogers lost ability. It was because they got hit, and uh, that there was a little bit of a jarring aspect to it. I think it took them the rest of that game to recover from those. It was two interceptions in a three pass stretch, and that they never recovered from it.
2: The uh, play calling we can discuss, but, uh, Christina, do you think that uh, they had talked about Tyler Irvin not being there and then obviously not using as much motion? I still go back to coming in and out of the huddle was probably one of their biggest nemesis because you only have four or five seconds when you get to the line of scrimmage. You don't have a lot of time for motion and hard counts and such. But when you talk about the play calling – not being able to use Tyler Irvin, not having Alan Lazard there. Some of the guys you've kind of figured into this offense that help you create a lot of that play action and misdirection, are they really hindered by missing those guys? And does that affect the play calling from Matt LaFleur the way he indicated? I
0: don't feel like I put a, a, a lot into Irvin missing this game. I, I – I, and – I kind of want to go back to what Kevin said all about the flow of this game, because that's just the sentiment that was echoed, not only from Rogers, but LaFleur we were hearing from them post game in, in Tampa is that the tempo was just off in this one. You know, they didn't get to utilize the hard count and Rogers said that as practice was off all week, they were just slow getting in and out of the huddle. He even mentioned that in the first quarter, when they're up 10 to nothing, he still feels like they're playing at a deficit. They just never really felt ahead even when they were ahead. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't place it on one guy like Tyler Irvin being out, I don't think. I just I really place it on the flow of the game, just never really being there.
2: Uh, Christina, back to you, but do you feel that the offensive line... Uh, I was kind of shocked the way the offensive line... Now, granted, they've been a little bit nicked up, and then with Bakhtiari going down in the second half didn't necessarily help, but were you surprised at how the offensive line got kind of pushed around and beat to the point of attack?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Rodgers was sacked... Four, four times last Sunday hurried like 13
2: um, or 14 yeah
0: <laughs> right it, I mean it just looked messy and he said you know protecting the quarterback is a group effort but that line just looks different when Bakhtiari is not in it um I know he didn't practice yesterday he didn't practice again today that's going to be a huge huge concern obviously going up against Houston who's got JJ Watt parked there just salivating over a guy like Aaron Rodgers
2: Kevin, do you think the offensive line uh, woefully underperformed in that contest?
0: Yeah,
4: that's that. that I'd, I'd say is one one that you could uh, you could say for sure. And it's uh, it's one of those things where, as a group, you, you're going to be able to put these performances the 16 games on a timeline and say, okay, here were your best ones, and here were your worst ones. And uh, I, I, I think you can safely say that uh, you're talking about one of the worst ones. Now, they, what they would hope is that that's the worst one that that you don't have to worry about uh, you know having that sort of issue going forward one of the things that's going to help them in in the weeks to come is they're playing a couple the packers are playing a couple shell shock teams coming up the texans have one win and uh, they have uh, defensively, they have really struggled. So that's going to help a little bit. And we know what's happening in Minnesota. And that's the next opponent back at Lambeau Field on November 1st. So uh, the, the reward, as uh, weird as it is on this schedule, is you had to go to Tampa in one of those perfect storms where everything went wrong. But now these next two, at least from a momentum standpoint, you should be able to take advantage of it because those, those are two reeling football teams right now in Houston and Minnesota.
2: We are at the bottom of the hour, and when we come back, I want to talk about one thing that the Packers do not do, and it would be out of their character if, indeed, they did it, but yet fans continue to clamor for it. This is the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good, brewed with a unique five-step filtration process, ensures a cleaner finish, no lingering aftertaste, and only 100 calories. Go to BudLight.com. That is BudLight.com. Uh, Christina Tuso from CBS 58 alongside Kevin Holden. I'm Bill Michaels. We've got a lot more than Bill- Michael's huddle coming up right after this.
3: You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
1: You know, we, we can't ride this roller coaster of feeling ourselves and reading all the clippings, you know, if it's going great, and then you know, down in the
4: dumps and not reading anything and feeling sorry for ourselves when we get beat like that. You know, you have to you have to get off the surfboard and get off that wave because this is a, a long season and you, know, you just you have to find a process of preparation that works for you and move forward. But, you know, with all due respect, I'm just not going to go down that hypothetical route because that's not the way I believe.
2: Those are the words of Aaron Rodgers. Not down in the dumps. She can't stay down in the dumps. She can't go up and down. You just got to continue to move and move forward. Welcome back. It's a Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors. Only 100 calories. Go to BudLight.com. That is BudLight.com. Joining me tonight, Kevin Holden, CBS 58. Christina Tussaud, also CBS 58. And uh, Christina, I want to go and ask you, uh, you just heard Aaron there. Talk about you can't go up and down. This is one loss. It seems like this is like this one just devastating loss. Like it's it's one loss. I mean, do you look at it? Are we looking at it as more than that? And does it sound like they're taking it as more than that?
0: I should I should hope not. I think it's just the the momentum that the Packers had built up through the first four games was so exciting to watch. And you just loved Aaron Rodgers being at the forefront of that. It was just this high-scoring, high-octane offense. As I talked earlier in the show, there was a different hero every week, whether it was Tanyan, Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones. It was just – it was momentum, and it was wonderful to watch. And um, I, I just think with a, with a slip-up like that – It's it's a little bit of a gut punch, but no, you don't stay down in the dumps. You know, you're you're not the Washington Redskins. You're not the Philadelphia Eagles. You're still playing for something this season. Um, You know, you you've got a winning record right now. And I think you just move on.
2: Kevin, why do you think there's a sense that maybe this loss means something more? I mean, is it just because this is a an NFC team? It was a team led by Brady. Maybe you're going to face him again. It's got uh, maybe you know a, a very similar feeling to what we witnessed last year against San Francisco. I mean, why does this just? I mean, to me, it's a loss, but it seems like everybody's taking this thing so
4: incredibly hard. Yeah, you hit it on the head, which is in the Matt LaFleur era, in the two seasons now, one full and one partial season of the Matt LaFleur era, there have not been a lot of losses. But the losses that have happened, a fair number of them have been rough ones, and and they did experience that last year, as you mentioned, where they went to San Francisco and what I think everybody thought could be a litmus test for the playoffs, and and it didn't go well. That was a 37-8 loss, and at that moment, it was already – kind of being set it's like oh man these two teams could meet again and is there going to be an answer this time well they did meet again it was for the nfc championship and there wasn't an answer it was a 37 to 20 game that time but it was it was still just a a first half beatdown. and i i wonder if you're talking about any sort of mental residual that comes from that maybe that's the case maybe maybe there's a, a thought that tampa bay could be a little bit like last year's San Francisco, a team that, hey, they could end up meeting again in the playoffs. And if it happens, what will they have for them the next time? And and with a defense like Tampa showed in this game, uh, even though you're talking about October to, to January, the difference in the matchups being three months, uh, it could be tough again for them. So, yeah, it may be a case of deja vu, maybe a case of of 2020's Tampa Bay is 2019's 49ers.
2: Christina, are they that evenly matched, the Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or if they play say ten times, the Packers win seven of them because they figured it out because they had an unquestionably bad game, or do you feel that if they f- face this team down the stretch uh, or in the postseason, that yeah, this is this is just uh, wash, rinse, repeat when it comes to the way they performed against San Francisco last year?
0: Okay. Me thinking because we talk about the first loss of the season why does this hurt so bad i don't these are not evenly matched teams that tampa bay defense scares the hell out of me <laughs> like let's let's be real right? uh and this was against what was supposed to be one of the best if not the best at, at offense in in the national football league this was a true test for tampa bay too and the packers failed you know, so maybe that is why we take this loss so hard as we look at who the Packers have have gone toe to toe with so far this season, the Vikings and the Falcons, just a cellar dweller party there. And then the Saints eh, the Lions, eh. you know, this was the first time that they really had a chance to prove themselves against what could be the elite in the league. And, and they fell short. So I kind of contradicted myself going up against that, that previous answer. But maybe, you know, that is maybe why Packers fans are really feeling this one.
2: Kevin, do you think that, you know, you look at this and then the Buccaneers were coming off of a loss to the Bears? And they didn't perform well. And, and see, I thought just the opposite. This game gave me trepidation because the Packers' momentum was stopped. They were into a rhythm. And not to mention, you take the Buccaneers, you take Tom Brady coming out of an embarrassment in which he didn't know how – I don't care what they say. He didn't know how many downs there were in Chicago. They lose that ball game. They looked ugly doing it. They got beat by by Nick Foles and company. I I felt that Tampa Bay had a much more – uh, surly edge coming out to play this contest. And, then I, I think, uh, you know, the next time the Packers prepare for them, I think it's a different
4: outcome, but I, I, I could be wrong on this. Give me your thoughts. Yeah. They, they basically passed that baton, didn't they? They had mm-hmm. a Sunday that they didn't like. They got upset about it. They had a, you know, a Sunday that led to a little national embarrassment with the Brady thing with the downs. And I'm with you there. You can cover that overall you want. I think we know what happened there. And, they they were upset they were surly they took it out on the packers now the packers are upset and surly and i think they're about to take it out on the houston texans and uh and that's just a, a matter of circumstance a matter of where tampa bay fell on the packers schedule who it was after what happened right before they played them uh that can sometimes have an effect so uh yeah i agree so you move this to a different place in the schedule you make tampa week three I don't know if this happens. I mean, I think Tampa probably still wins that game, but it reminds me maybe of that, that the first loss last year, which was an Eagles game at home. And it was one of those where you kind of go, well, okay, that's, that's a pretty good football team. I suppose that you'll lose a few of those as opposed to the sting uh, of, of this loss. I, I don't, I still think out of 10 matchups, it might be 5 5 or even 6 4 in favor of Tampa, but I don't know if any of them would be as bad as this one was Sunday.
2: Christina, if you face this team down the stretch we just discussed, but do you think with a different preparation, a different attitude, more riding on this, obviously defense wins you championships, but that being said, and, you know, you get your weapons back, that this this offense just performs differently. I, I really believe that the way this offense performed in the first two drives, even though they felt out of sync, they were really good until the pick. And if they don't have the turnover – there might be a different outcome in this game. So I, I think if they face each other down the stretch or in the postseason, I'm not I, – I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm one of the few, but I, I really thought that last year San Francisco was going to beat the hell out of them. I don't think Tampa Bay would beat the hell out of them.
0: I mean, I don't think they beat the brakes off them like they did on Sunday. I think that, like you said, the Packers are going to have a little bit more spunk if they face this rematch, you know, down, down the line, but – I also felt not not to pivot, but I I also think that, you know, you you point a finger at defense a little bit in this, too, in the sense that they just kind of felt flat. This defense is always talking about being sticky on the back end, and they have they're just not that this season. Um, So I think that that's like another huge area the Packers need to look at if they go into a rematch like this. I don't I don't peg all the problems on on offense. Let's put it that way.
2: Yeah, I, I don't either. Now. Is there help on the way in any way, shape, or form? Something the Packers don't normally do. And, Kevin, I'll start with you. With all the talk of Antonio Brown possibly going to Seattle, Des Bryant being signed to the practice squad down in in Baltimore, Baltimore also trying to bolster that defense even more so. You know, you're talking about teams that are near the tops or in the top of their division, and they're trying to get better the Green Bay Packers pick up a linebacker who's been you know, kind of surfing around, I guess might be the best way to put it. I don't want to knock his talent or ability, but do you think the Packers are kind of doing a disservice by not pushing those chips in whatever they seem to think, whether it's the last two, three, five years of Aaron Rodgers, by not pushing them to the middle of the table?
4: I think you're starting to get to that point now. I I think we've We've been having this discussion for, for a few years about Rodgers in the prime of his career and, and what he's able to do. And at what point do you begin to leverage a little bit and start to try to push to now? Uh, it was it was something that Ted Thompson never did and eventually drew criticism for. Uh, I I think this is the start of a pretty good time to do that. I think it's a good time to go and get some pieces, uh, if you can. I mean, in the NFL, it's a little bit different. I mean, you, you are you know, a victim of what the circumstance is in that exact moment. Like Antonio Brown is available to you in this exact moment for a reason. And so if you get Antonio Brown, you may be getting a lot of other stuff with him. You're not just getting the player. The Packers have shown that they don't really want to take on the excess baggage when it comes to, uh, to, to guys like that. But I do think this is the time. And I think receiver is the first place where you look the, the Packers, uh, taking criticism for, for how the way this receiver core looks right now. They did make an effort. I mean, Devin Funches was supposed to be on this right. roster. COVID changed that. That's, that's significant. So they might have to go find another Devin Funches if there is one. I think it's a good time to do it.
2: Christina, do you think that if, say, they can't get themselves a wide receiver, I think, have things changed in your eyes? I mean, going into the draft, we all said, look, they need a linebacker. They need a wide receiver. They picked up Funches, they picked up Kirksey, but we're still sitting here talking about the exact same things to the eyeball test that we said going into the NFL draft. I mean, not much has changed. Yes, Funches opted out, and Kirksey, we knew what he is, and he does get nicked up. Is this team still sitting there with two glaring weaknesses that you got to say, you got to fill, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I would like to give Brian Gutekinds the benefit of the doubt and, and say that he is going to be a little bit more active during this window than, say, Ted was. Um, But there's a lot of interesting options out there that can help out. I mean, the Packers run defense has left a lot to be desired under two seasons of Matt LaFleur. Um, I think they're allowing just almost five yards a carry Uh, a guy like Shelby Harris could be a huge, huge help on something like that. Another interesting guy that, that I was thinking about today. And particularly because Matt LaFleur was asked about him yesterday was Will Fuller. And we're going to get a chance to really, you know, see what he can do obviously this week against the Packers, but this is a wide receiver that could kind of be up for that three job, especially given the fact that Alan Lazard isn't in the rotation right now. Uh, he's a, he's a guy that can take some big downfield, downfield passes, possibly beat out MPS for a job. And, and he's worked with Matt Lafleur previously at Notre Dame. I mean, those are two very particular precise names that I'm giving you. I, I understand, but I, I do think that Brian Gutekinst is going to make some moves here.
2: Well, Kevin, there was a little bit of a rumbling that came out today that possibly, and I think it was in The Athletic, that Julio Jones would make sense to move, not only in the fact that he wants to win, but the fact that, uh, you know, obviously with his contract and they are looking at a new head coach, a new system again, what are they going to do with Matt Ryan down the road, you know, all that kind of stuff. Would you think about considering moving Julio Jones? If they would, if you're the Packers, are you in on that at whatever
4: cost? Oh, man. That's another one of those names where where it really hurts you to think about Julio Jones in terms of past Julio Jones, the Julio Jones that has done so much damage uh, against the Packers when they've faced each other. That NFC championship game is is one, obviously, that's there. He's still going to be a beneficial receiver, but those numbers don't don't play quite the same year to year. And you're also talking about a guy who's now 31 years old. Uh, I still, if the price is a decent price, I still think you might need to make that, make that effort, make that happen because someone with experience as an elite wide receiver is a rare thing. And he may not necessarily be an elite receiver right now, but he's good enough for long enough that he'll help your team and he'll help the other receivers on your team. So, uh, I mean, I just worry that price is a little steep. I worry that they want 2017 Julio Jones price for a 2020 Julio Jones. But if that's not the case, I'm all in.
2: Would you go after Odell Beckham Jr., Christina?
0: Oh, no. But can I say something about Julio Jones? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So during my days in Georgia, I remember Kyle Shanahan saying at the time, who was, of course, offensive coordinator at the Falcons, that Julio Jones could catch a a snowflake in in a wind tunnel. And I still think that there is definitely some value there. As Kevin said, it, it, it's going to come with a significantly different price tag on it. Um, but I, I definitely still think that there's value in Jones. And we look at what happened with Jordy Nelson when he lost a step and he became a huge threat for the Packers in the red zone. It's not to say that you can't repurpose, repurpose a player like, like Julio. So I would love it if the Packers took a look at him.
2: Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll come back. We'll take a quick break after that. And then we're going to take more uh, a look at the trade deadline. Also, a game has been moved, and we'll have to talk about whether or not the NFL can sustain. And that's an interesting topic within itself. Stay tuned. Got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle. Kevin Holden, Christina Tussaud from CBS 58. Alongside, we are presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Only 100 calories. Go to BudLight.com. More of the Bill Michaels Huddle next
3: border to border the bill michael's sports talk network
2: i mean it's a, it's a little weird I actually you know i was in dallas last year and we played the packers it was a very weird feeling after being in green bay for 8 years you know giving everything to that, that organization to play them, it was a little it was weird being on the other sidelines, but, you know, uh, it's, it's a new year, a different situation, and really we're just looking to go
0: 1-0 and this week.
2: Those are the words of Randall Cobb. A tough situation down there in uh, Texas, Houston specifically, as the Texans have not been a good football team, and their head coach has since been fired, Romeo Cornell, the new guy, and uh, he is just trying to get wins at this point. Welcome back to Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Christina Tussauds, Kevin Holden from CBS 58 joining me tonight. Uh, The Raiders-Buccaneers game has been moved from Sunday night to Sunday afternoon. There are fears of COVID as more Raiders players and uh, front office staff have tested positive. Uh, Let me ask you this, and Christina, I'll start with you. Have you been impressed with the the way the NFL has handled this cuz I don't know if there were a lot of people that thought that we would get 6 weeks into the NFL season without massive restructuring of the schedule and massive amount of postponed games.
0: Uh impressed? No. Uh, but I also feel like the only way I'm going to be impressed is if a sporting league handles the COVID era like the NBA did. They kind of set like the the golden precedent for me. Um I am shocked that they've made it this far but the major league baseball season also played out and I never thought in a million years that was going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. God, I don't even know how to answer your question here. Is it, is it just that I'm I'm impressed? Am I impressed that we've made it to week six?
2: Well, I, I, do you think the season's going to go off without a hitch or do you think that there is going to be, do you think, put it this way, do you think the Super Bowl ends up the first uh, Sunday in February or does it end up getting pushed back in your opinion?
0: I do, and I just think that that's because the dollar signs that are behind it all. I mean, we all know that this league makes two-thirds of its revenue off of TV rights, and I think that that will be the driving factor to get us to the Super Bowl.
4: Kevin? yeah, That's, uh, that's, that's your answer right there. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> driven by the dollar, and it's, it's interesting to see. I think every season, every major sports season has had two parts to it. Uh, baseball was a perfect example. Baseball got underway. I don't know if everybody involved took it quite so seriously. And you had major outbreaks in the first few weeks on a couple of different teams. And everybody said, wow, if we don't take care of this now, we're not going to have a season. And everybody buckled down. And now you have a you had a major league baseball season that made it all the way uh, to the end. So I I think the NFL, we're going to look back at it in a sort of a similar way. You have uh, early on, you had a bunch of rearranging of schedules and now you've got uh, television network driven decisions on game times that are happening because of COVID. But if this is the toughest thing that happens from here, I think the NFL is going to be all right. If they if all they have to do is do some game time swaps, I don't mind it. I think if that's if that's the price to pay and I think it may be, I think they've got it that much under control. I think it'll be all right.
2: Christina, do you think we see a Super Bowl with uh, more than 10,000, 15,000 fans? Or do you think that it's going to be a very weird, surreal scene uh, come Sunday, February, whatever the first Sunday in February is down in Tampa Bay?
0: I think the NFL will let fans in. Just seeing what Major League Baseball has done with fans in the last couple of weeks, I think the NFL will end up kind of following suit. I mean,. I think it's going to take a sizable, sizable outbreak within the National Football League for something to really throw a wrench in their plans. But, yes, as far as fans go, I I think there will be fans in the stands come Super Bowl.
2: Kevin?
4: Yep. uh, I think you'll see something. I think the NFL, you know, Christina said it, like (laughs) the NFL wants it. It's it's a a centerpiece of of America. I think that question – might be posed better to like what the caseloads look like and deaths and that sort of thing. And I don't feel real optimistic about that by February, but I think they're going to find a way to go. If they can go 15, 20,000, maybe 30, I think they'll do it if there's any way possible.
2: I hope we're all there convening and enjoying. And I, it's going to be by the way on CBS, correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong. Yes. Okay, I, I I threw that out there. It was like a softball. I was waiting for you to hit it the hell oh, out gosh, of the park. Oh, by the way, to
0: do a plug here, Kevin?
2: <laughs> oh, by the way, we're we're gonna have a flyover, and we're not gonna have Joe Buck or Troy Aikman calling it. That's for damn sure. You know, th- there you go. That was your that was by your the softball. Way, CBS
0: fifty eight. You're home for the Super Bowl. There you go. There you go.
2: <laughs> one hour down, one hour yet to go. Stay tuned. A whole lot more. The Bill Michaels Hunnel presented by Bud Light Seltzer coming up right after this.
3: Station Strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle.
2: Welcome, hour number two, the Bill Michaels Huddle. Glad you're here tonight. Thanks so much for taking a listen to us. Packers getting ready to take on the uh, Houston Texans. And that is coming up this Sunday. Uh, Packers looking to snap the one-game loss. And I'm not even going to say streak because you got to have more to have a streak. But uh, just to come out of this uh, a little bit better, Kevin Holden from CBS 58, also Christina Tussaud, the same, joining me tonight on the, uh, on the panel. We're presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Uh, I'll start with you, Christina. If they win this game, now they're expected to win, but if they win this game by, say, 20, are we going to look at this and go, well, the Texans are just a bad team? Or are we talking about the Packers beating a team that they're supposed to beat by a large margin?
0: No, I think you put some value. I think any any week that you can pull off a win in the National Football League counts. I sound like Matt LaFleur. That's exactly what he would say during first conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do believe that. And I also believe, too, that well, the Texans have had a rough go this season. They've got great players. I mean, I would never sleep on a quarterback like Deshaun Watson in the arsenal that he has. I think that if you can pull off a win defensively, that's a win for the Packers.
4: Kevin? I think uh, it's, it's a tough situation for, for Green Bay because you, you hit it right on the head. If they win by 20, the world looks at it as Houston is a, a bad football team. If, uh, for heaven's sake, if they lose – we're going to have everything upside down uh, to start November, but if they, even if it's like a four or five point win, I think we're going to be talking about the, the narrative of the things that will be talked about will be uh, falling short of expectations and how, you know, whatever good player bailed them out. I don't know if that's all that is necessarily fair. I'm not saying that they deserve any of that, but I, I think that's how this, this could be because. Uh, the Packers are, are favored in this game on the road. It's not a; they're not a huge favorite. It's not like a ten point favorite or anything. But uh, it, coming off of that Tampa Bay game, it's it's easier to look at this in a more skeptical light. It's it's probably not the way it should be, but it's the way it is.
2: So the Packers looking to get after Deshaun Watson in this upcoming game. They the, the Texans don't get me wrong have a pretty good pass rush with JJ Watt and company, but the, the Packers really need to kind of show something when it comes to getting after. Uh, the quarterback Matt Lafleur earlier today was asked about why the past rush is not right now up to their standards. This is what he had to say:
1: "We just got to keep working. We got to keep working to get better. Um, you know, certainly uh, it hasn't been as to the level that we want, and we definitely need, know we need to get more rush." um on on opposing quarterbacks just to make their life uncomfortable I think it's tough on quarterbacks when you're able to hit home whether it's with four or a a pressure so it's something that we've been working hard on and and hopefully that'll show you know in this next game
2: Kevin do you think that the I mean he talks about the pass rush and it just it it's a lot of we hope to get it done whether we rush for three or four whether we blitz I mean you know, the bottom line is the pass rush has not been that good. What do you see as part of the problem? I think
4: uh, you're, you're looking for a combination of guys who can put pressure on the quarterback. When you talk about, in, in general, when you talk about a pass rush, uh, it's you can look at one guy, but defenses in the NFL can map around one guy if they don't have a lot of other options that are, are available. And I just think we haven't seen – multiple guys flash it just it just doesn't remind me of the way last year looked uh with with the smiths both of them Preston and zadarius and how great they looked and how much we talked about kenny clark obviously his absence uh in some of these games has meant something i do think this is the kind of game where you can get healthy on that front because against deshaun watson in five games this year there are and i'm trying to do math in my head here 15 sacks in five games there's been at least one in every game. And early in the season, he was sacked four times in the opener and five times in the second game. So, the, so they have improved that a bit, but uh, their sacks have been an issue for Houston's offensive line. So th- this could be a get healthy kind of thing. I think, one, it's, you don't see a lot of guys and Two, maybe you haven't had an opportunity like you have this week.
2: Christina, do you see them getting, uh, getting healthy, I guess, would be the best way to put it, uh, coming uh, upon the pass rush this weekend defensively?
0: Yeah. I mean, I really don't like going up against a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. I think that he's highly underrated. Now his line's obviously going to have to go, go to work for him, but you know, Matt LaFleur was asked in one of his very first press conferences of, of this week of prep, you know, what scares you about the Texans? And his response was the explosive play, their ability to go for the explosive play. And as we know, the Packers have had a terrible track record of giving that up over the last two seasons. So I think the name of the game here is just going to be pressure and, ag- and being aggressive, you know, um, I don't know, the, the especially given what the Smiths have done this season, they were so great last year and it's just taken a while for these, for this, for that duo that the Packers really leaned on to, to get going. Um, I mean, I don't know that Preston Smith has registered a sack all season, has he?
2: Uh, half sack. That's what he's yeah. got to his name. Yeah, half sack. Um, hey, Kevin, let me ask you this. When it comes to uh, the defensive backfield, uh, I, I'm reading a lot of praise for Jair Alexander. I mean, when you talk about a defense that is susceptible in many different areas, what a season, apparently, according to anyway pro football focus and those insiders and such uh, regarding the NFL and the NFL network, that guy's really,
4: really blossomed, hasn't he? Man, yeah. And here's, here is the thing, because if you're a Packers fan, you lived – uh, a recurring nightmare for uh, man, five years, six years, something like that. You had an offense that could set records and a defense that could also set records, but for the wrong reason and and it happened year after year. I mean, the Packers made an NFC championship game with a secondary that was almost off the street. I mean, it was crazy and and this is uh reassuring. I don't know, maybe I'm too much of a purist to think that things have to be a certain way, but I feel like if you're a team that's going to compete for a championship, one of the things you have to do is you've got to be good in that secondary. The way this league is, with all the great quarterbacks and great passing games in the league, you've got to be able to fight back at that that portion of the game. And you see a Jair Alexander, and you see other guys too, Adrian Amos and these guys that have helped these younger players develop and move along, and it's nice to have a little swagger back there. And Jair is that guy. I mean, Tuso can tell you, and and Bill, you know as well, that uh, Jair's not afraid to tell you he's great. And I love that as long as he shows it, and he has so far.
2: Christina, I really like the way he's been playing, the aggressiveness, but more so what he has not done, and that's give up consistent big plays. It seems like from some of the mistakes he had last year, he has learned. Do you see his game even better this season?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, we saw it from week one and what he did against the Minnesota Vikings with the sack on Kirk cousins. And I think it was his first career, um, interception. I just think that he has come leaps and bounds in his third year. Unfortunately, he can't do it alone. Uh, I do think that that Amos has lost a step. I, I Josh Jackson showed a little bit of of promise last week, but he needs help. And then Kevin King's availability is just awful. But Jair is is a stud in my mind. I mean, he's probably one of my favorite Packers of of this of this year's team. And I loved listening to him this week because he's so smart and he listens. He takes it in. Um, He said this afternoon that the theme of this week has been accounting for two plays the original play and the one that Deshaun Watson will create for himself so he knows exactly what the task is at hand every single week and then the the last thing that I love about him is he wants the responsibility of covering that 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 opposing team's top receiver and he wants to do it alone um and that is it's it's that kind of cockiness that kind of swagger that you want to see in in a guy in your secondary uh to have that that sticky backfield
2: Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. A lot more to get to, including at the bottom of the hour, we'll start making our picks for around the rest of the NFL. Christina Tussaud, Kevin Holden, CBS 58. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors. You can go to BudLight.com to see all that they have to offer. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michaels Huddle next.
3: Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
1: Losses or defeats, if you if, if you take a defeat, you can be a man about that and live with that. But if you didn't go out there and give your personal best and take a defeat, can't sleep at night or live with that. Those other teams are trying to win the championship too. The margin for error is super small in this league, right? You guys know that. And so, you know, our attitude and our morale is up. That locker room is, you know, as vi- vi- vibrational as it can be. You know, we we, we got started off on the right foot today. Going to continue the preparation and lead us right into Sunday.
2: Welcome back to the program. Those are the words of Mercedes Lewis. Got to forget about it. Got to move on. And uh, I like what he had to say. I mean, it's it's rings very true. I mean, you know, you stack success each day. You hear it. It's very cliche, but it's uh, – it's the truth, for lack of a better term. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michael Sunnell, presented by uh, our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. Go to budlight.com. That is budlight.com. Christina Toussaint and Kevin Holden, both from CBS 58 in Milwaukee, and uh, it seems like, and I'll, I'll go back to the question we talked about a little bit a little while ago, guys, is that uh, that this is just one of those games for whatever reason. Maybe it's just because they were rolling along so incredibly well, and then the wheels just seemingly fell off. It seems like there's – I go back to, again, it's just a loss. You get this ship right, and you start to look down the road. You know, if you knock off Houston, Minnesota is kind of flailing right now. Your next big game really is on the road against San Francisco. But I looked at the schedule and I picked them to be still 13 and three. So Christina, if they still end up at 13 and three, that's a hell of a season. Most likely, they're not losing within the division again. And that being said, they may still end up being the the, the home field buy and, and advantage when it comes to the NFC. Right? Is Christina there? Do we lose her, Kevin? How about you?
4: Well, uh, I'll say this much: it's it's interesting how you can get lulled into this kind of thing. And we are really, really fortunate uh, in the last in the Aaron Rodgers era, most of it, almost every year of it. In that, if they went thirteen and three and they didn't lose again in the division, I don't think anybody would be really shocked, and I don't think anybody would be like. Completely, you know, jump screaming, jumping up and down, either like the, the uh, over excitement. In other words, that you almost can sleepwalk to 13 and three, and that would be back to back years of 13 and three. That would be something that 90% of the NFL would absolutely love to do. And, uh, and it's what the, this Packers team is 100% capable of. And you hit it right on the head, too, that uh, timing is a, a big part of this particular loss. It is only one loss if this happened in week 13, when you feel like you've got the identity of this team down, I don't know if you're as concerned about it. There's some concern if it happens later, but you know, I don't know if it's quite the existential crisis that, uh, that seems to have come out of this. I don't think that'll be the case going forward. Like you said, I feel like Houston's a win. I feel like Minnesota's a win. And uh, even if they lose to San Francisco, I think they've got a good few months ahead.
2: Christina, now give me your thoughts. We got you back, uh, but give me your thoughts. This team still, I, the way I look at it, uh, if I went through the wins and losses, they lose maybe at San Francisco, maybe a lose against the Tennessee Titans. Other than that, I, I, I can honestly say I can see them winning each and every game. 13-3, and three, still a hell of a season. You could still end up with a first-round buy.
0: Oh, definitely, and I definitely think it's absolutely doable. You know, Matt LaFleur set the standard in his first season at Green Bay that this is a playoff-worthy and playoff-contending team. Uh, I don't think that they've dropped back to back games, you know since he since he joined uh, since he joined the Packers. And even when we look at the 49ers right now, I mean I, I understand what they did last year and they're a talented team, but I don't put all my faith into Jimmy Garoppolo and they're incredibly banged up. that that game's coming up on November 5th. So I think the Packers can definitely pull that pull that record off or potentially better
2: uh kevin when you look at the way the rest of the nfc nfc has shaped up obviously you got to look at the tampa bay buccaneers and say look that's that's a pretty tough team and if they put it together they're going to be extremely tough seattle i seattle's undefeated i give them all the credit in the world if they do pick up antonio brown it gives them another weapon defensively speaking i think they still have some flaws the rams are playing extremely good we're going to see them against the bears this weekend who are some of the other teams that you think of in this uh, nfc if you go say one through five one through six that are dangerous you
4: know, when you're looking at uh, <clears throat> at the way the NFC shapes up right now, it is uh, it, it's a it's a quarter it's a league of aging quarterbacks. Rogers, Breeze, Brady. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson is younger; he doesn't really fall into that category. But these guys are starting to advance a little bit. I wonder if there isn't somebody lurking a little bit behind that could jump up uh, and, and do something. Arizona is a team that comes to mind. They're they're young. They're four and two. Uh, their their point differential is uh, second best in the NFC at plus 54. The Buccaneers are number one at plus 55. Arizona's tough. I think people might sleep a little bit on the Rams because they had that down year last year versus the year before when they made the Super Bowl. That could be tough. I don't know if I am ready to anoint the Bears even at 5-1. and one. Uh, I think I feel about the Bears the way some people felt about last year's Packers. It's, there's a little bit of uh, – air inflated into that record i don't know if they're quite in that category but if they're a team that happens to be picking up wins they're going to be dangerous too so uh it, it's weird you you're looking at i mean look the east is is a is a fire it's it's just it's terrible the entire nfc east but outside of that you got five or six teams that i think would be a lot of fun to watch in the nfc championship game
2: christina do you believe in uh the, we'll talk more about this when we make our picks but do you believe in the chicago bears
0: Oh, my gosh. I remember listening to Aaron Rodgers say last year, I don't care if we win ugly all the way to the Super Bowl. And I just have this ugly feeling that the Bears are going to be that team. (laughs) And they're going to do it behind their defense. But the Bears scare me right now. They really do. They're finding ways to win ugly games. And that kind of speaks volumes in the NFL. Um, So, yeah, I mean, other than that, I just – I kind of just see the Buccaneers as as a huge threat. They they really made a statement – last week, and I just think that the allure that comes with having Tom Brady under center is is enough to make you a playoff contending team.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, I still think uh, there is something to be said about a veteran quarterback. I still think, that, still think there's something to be said about a guy that can lead his team, a balanced team. I think last year, Kevin, looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing uh, their games by less seven or less points, and a lot of those had to be bad decisions regarding Jameis Winston and numerous picks. Uh, if I had to pick a team right now that I thought might be, and again, just last week we were talking about the Packers were the team to beat. They were the flavor of the week. The new flavor of the week suddenly has become the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, more so because of the belief in their defense than I have in their offense. But their offense, when at full strength, is extremely good, and they have weapons in many different facets.
4: They do, and they, they profile really well in terms of the points they score and the points they allow, which is if you've got a defense that shows up many weeks, and you've got a quarterback who who knows as much about winning as anybody in, in football history, and he's going to help you to some wins some weeks if the defense doesn't show up. That's significant. The two losses they have, Saints, and as you mentioned, the one-point loss to the Bears where it was just a total hiccup, a mental hiccup as much as anything. I, I, they're going to be a little more than a flavor of the week. I, I don't know if they'll be everyone's NFC favorite in another two or three weeks when the current you know, state of things is different. I think the Packers may return to that at some point, but uh, the Buccaneers are a force to be reckoned with and a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs because remember, Brady's got a little chip on his shoulder with how things ended playoff-wise in New England. That's going to be significant.
2: I really uh, I like the way the Seattle Seahawks are playing. I think that they're a very veteran football team, and I think that when it comes to – because last week we were talking about Aaron Rodgers being an MVP candidate, Christina, um, and, and, and he still will be. I mean, I, I think the way this team ca- has the capability to play and the way he can spread the ball around and everything, and, and, and I'm not going to just take one bad game against a very good defense as something to say I'm going to throw that all away. But the guy that doesn't get a lot of respect when it comes to the MVP voting is Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson, what he's doing out in Seattle this year has been nothing short of phenomenal. I I think between Russell Wilson, the fact that Pete Carroll's been there, done that, and they can figure out just enough defensively, I still think if I had to pick my top two or three teams, I think it's Tampa Bay, I think it's Seattle, I think it's the Packers. And it may not even necessarily be in that order. Would you look at it that same way? I think we lost Christina again. As a matter of fact, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get Christina back on the line. We got Kevin Holden from CBS 58 as well alongside. When we come back, we're going to take a look around the rest of the NFL and start making picks. Got a game in progress tonight. Uh, the Giants at 1-5, taking on the 1-4-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles tonight. Both of these teams basically stink on ice, but they're trying to gain a little bit of respectability. We'll get into that. And the rest of the NFL lineup, including going back to that uh, Chicago team, that is going to be taking on the L.A. Rams, traveling out to the West Coast this coming weekend as well. Stay tuned. you got more of the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. It's naturally carbonated, gluten-free, includes no artificial flavors, and don't forget the five-step filtration process that ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste, only 100 calories. That's uh, for all the information, by the way. Go to BudLight.com. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up next
3: wisconsin wide the bill michaels sports talk network
1: well i mean the the attention to details there i'm not i'm not uh so sure that it's been you know anything has been extremely off um off of last week, I don't, I don't, I never saw anything that looked glaring to me that, you know, we weren't prepared or we weren't practicing the right way with the mistakes. People knew what they were, uh, you know, what the mistakes were, um, repeated some plays and, 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 got them right. So I think everybody's mind is right at this point.
2: Those are the words of Devontae Adams talking about getting better. And I don't, you know, Devontae Adams is good. I, I, I think there's a lot of pressure put on Devontae Adams to be better. Um, I just think that, you know, the more the guys around him are better, it's going to make everybody better, not just Devontae Adams. And might be a little bit of a, a different narrative there uh, after the game this weekend as maybe things get put back on the track. Welcome back to the program. It's Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. And again, uh, it's brewed with a five step, five step filtration process, cleaner finish, no lingering aftertaste, only 100 calories, different flavors. And uh, also, it's go to BudLight.com. That is BudLight.com. Dot com. Time now to run around the rest of the NFL and start to make our picks. Uh, we'll start out. Christina, I think, is back. Christina Tussauds. Tonight, you've got the Eagles hosting the Giants. Both of these teams, one win on the season. And uh, the Eagles jump out to an early lead. But, Christina, I'll talk to you.
0: Oh, the dumpster fire that is the East. Um, all right. Carson wants nine picks in six games, I think. And I think the Eagles will be playing without Ertz and Miles Sanders. I don't think the Giants defense is that bad, famous last words. So I'll take the Giants in this one. It's also going to be a homecoming for Joe Judge going back to Philly.
2: Kevin?
4: Yeah, I, yeah. Do do I have to, like, can I, can I predict a 24 24 tie and a mutual demotion to the CFL? Like, I'm all (laughs) on board with that. Relegation. Relegation game. Loser goes to the CFL. No, I, I, I'll go Giants. (laughs) Begrudgingly, I'll go Giants.
2: There you go. Then you got the other game on the docket. That is the Lions. I'll so we'll talk about two more craptastic teams. The Lions at two and three. The Falcons at one and five are hosting the Lions. Uh, as much as I want to think that I have some type of belief in the uh, in the Lions, I still think Mac Patricia is got one foot out the door. He's got his hat off. He's heading to his car, and he's probably heading through a drive-through. I'm going to pick the Falcons to get their second win of the season and suddenly feel as if they're turning things around. Uh, with an interim head coach, the Lions go to uh, two and four in the season Kevin I will go back to you.
4: oh man again the, I, I think these both of these <laughs> the CFL needs to happen to the loser of this game. the only thing that's, <laughs> that's working in the Lions favor is their two wins have come away from home and for that reason I say they go to Atlanta and get a win but man please nobody bet anything based on that pick no one Christina.
0: There's something to be said for momentum, kind of like you were talking, Bill. Um, Matt Ryan trying to mix things up offensively. Of course, you've got Julio Jones back in the mix, and as we saw last week, he can still find the end zone. Um, I'm still waiting on this breakout game in Atlanta for Todd Gurley. Maybe this this will be it. I've got the Falcons.
2: Got the Falcons. Let's go back over to you, Christina. As you got the four and two Browns, uh, and uh, the one and four one four and one Bengals. The Browns. All kinds of criticism now sprinkling down on uh, Baker Mayfield. His wife is now defending him, and it's not going over well in the locker room, and his wife is PO'd at all the comments, uh, and very quietly the Bengals are sitting there at 1-4-1. I don't think the Bengals are worth a lick, uh, but I do like Joe Burrow, but I think Zach Taylor is way in over his head and they're probably going to hang on to him for at least another year or two just because they don't want to pay him to go away. But uh, 1-4-1 Cincinnati. I'm going to pick Cincinnati in the Battle of Ohio, which I know is a dumb thing to do, but I just got a gut feeling. Christina?
0: I don't think it's dumb. I think this game for Baker Mayfield is is a is a personal one. Uh, they want to bounce back. He had his worst career game uh, versus the Steelers, and uh, Cleveland knows how to win this season. They're figuring it out. I think that Cincinnati will be an easy one for them to put away.
4: Kevin I'm going uh I'm going with you. I'm going Bengals. The Browns have allowed the most points in the AFC and they are the Browns. There's just something about the Browns that they come back to earth in my mind. I think it happens this week.
2: Carolina goes on the road and they are sitting at 3 and 3 even so far and then you got the 3 and 2 New Orleans Saints who are also not only trying to figure out how to win a game but they're trying to figure out where to play a game because they would rather go to LSU where they're allowed to have fans as opposed to being at home where the city has said, no, they will not allow them fans, so they've been battling with the city. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, the Panthers in this one to get a
4: road win. Kevin, back to you. I think the, the, the Saints to me, this is one of those times where I'm not taking anything other than just the better team, and I'm going to pick the Saints, and in a week you can laugh at me and I'll probably regret it, but I'm taking the
0: Saints.
2: The Saints in this one he's got, Christina?
0: Uh, I don't like the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey, who, again, out with an ankle. And Teddy Bridgewater looked like garbage last week. I think if you put 3,000 crazy New Orleans fans in the Superdome, maybe they've got a chance. I'll go Saints.
2: So uh, then you've got uh, the Buffalo Bills, who are at 4-2. and two. Uh, This is not even a matchup. This is They're, they're playing the Jets. The Jets suck. I'm just going to take the Buffalo Bills. Christina, back to you.
0: So 0-6 Jets oh bills off a loss i th- I think the jets are known for giving up a big explosive play bills i think in top five in league in passing yards maybe josh allen can make something happen here in a statement game i'll go bills
4: kevin bills all day long man i i'm going if, if, if the jets don't go over oh and 16 they're going to go oh and 16 in my picks this is the
2: game that I wish uh, I wish the Packers played later in the day, and this game was either earlier or later, vice versa. But uh, the Steelers undefeated at 5-0, and taking on the Titans undefeated at 5-0. and And I am salivating at watching this game. I'm not going to be able to, but I'm going to DVR this thing and watch it later on and, and just, to, just to watch it, uh, for lack of a better term. I'm taking the Titans in this one. As much as I feel that the Steelers are probably the most balanced team in the National Football League, I'm taking the Titans at home in that run game up against those linebackers and those outside backers including TJ Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin,
4: it is uh the the game for all this terrible football we've been talking about. Now you have this game that will make me sit down and watch it and you're right. I wish it was in a different time slot. I'm going Steelers here, but I both of these teams have been super impressive. 5 game win streaks each. You could see it either way. I'll go Pittsburgh
2: uh then you've got to the oh christina i'm sorry christina go ahead and make your pick here
0: i think i just wasn't that impressed of with what the titans did last week against the texans they virtually got themselves into a shootout with houston uh i thought that should have been an easier team for them to put away Steelers. i think allowing like the second fewest rushing yards behind tampa this year if they can bottle up a guy like derrick henry i'll go Steelers.
2: We're going to go ahead and take a quick break coming up here in a minute. I want to get one more game in, and that's the uh, the, the Cowboys. The Cowboys are just – now you got fingers being pointed about Mike McCarthy. We haven't even talked about this, and we could probably pause a minute to do so, but they're taking on a one-in-five Washington football team. And in the meantime, the Cowboys, they, they turned the ball over. They're, they're horrific right now when it comes to their turnover ratio. I think they're minus 12. And they, they Andy Dalton threw, again, just errant passes that went to nobody or went to the other team. It just seems like things are in a disarray, but the fact that they're still on top in the division, yeah, they they should win this game. I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win and be at three and four, sitting there still on top of the NFC East. Christina, yeah, I don't
0: know. Saying that you're the best of the worst just doesn't doesn't do a lot for me. Um, I I think it starts in the locker room and it feels like mike mccarthy has lost that he's lost his touch we kind of saw it here in green bay now it's rolling over into dallas i just don't know he has the faith of the players and dallas is already up to you know kind of a, a rough season already I, Ugh, god i'm going washington
4: <laughs> kevin
0: <laughs>
4: um this is i'll say this Nobody in the NFL has allowed more points than the Dallas Cowboys, and I think at at the end of the day, the good stuff that that uh, that they could do on offense is going to be offset by the fact that they can't do anything on defense. This feels peak Fire Capers era McCarthy, but it's in Dallas, and I think Washington wins this game. See,
2: I, I let me let me pause a minute. Does this is this some kind of justification for the for for everything that we heard leak out? about mike mccarthy is this you know and, and again it could have been exaggerated it could but we're seeing the same thing start to happen down there and maybe it's not much so much about mike mccarthy but more so about mike nolan his buddy who many seem to feel this in over his head when it comes to calling de- the, the defense and setting it up but is this watching this team almost founder at this point with a lot of the similarities and problem wise that they had here in green bay going on down there even with the loss of dak prescott does this vindicate the Green Bay Packers for letting Mike go, Kevin?
4: I think uh, I, I think you can easily make the case that the the underbelly, the, the downside of the McCarthy era here, which was not just defensive problems, but also the bickering. Remember the off season pieces and and this person pointing a finger at this person. The fact that that's happening after six games is a little bit of indication. I am not saying that McCarthy is not a highly successful NFL coach because he is and he has been. But the problems that he ran into in Green Bay are happening in Dallas right now, and they're not happening with the benefit of having won a Super Bowl in Dallas. So uh, it's. I think if you're, if you're a Green Bay fan, you, re- you remember this. You recognize how this looks.
2: Some players, uh, Christina, have said that, you know, hey, the players, somebody in that locker room needs to take responsibility because McCarthy's not fumbling the ball, McCarthy's not missing missing tackles, he's not dropping passes, he's not falling down, he's not throwing errant passes, that that is not on him. So do you say that because he didn't have an offseason, didn't have OTAs, couldn't stand in front of the team, couldn't sit there and talk to him, explain his philosophies, get to know these guys, do you give Mike McCarthy a pass, or do you feel that this season will do too much damage? Therefore, he's pretty much—I uh, uh, don't want to say a, a lame duck, but he's kind of a guy on a sinking sinking ship coming into next season.
0: Yeah. If if this hadn't happened in Green Bay before, I would give him a pass. But seeing as how this seems to be kind of a, a sounding like a broken record at this point, I, I think you know all fingers kind of kind of point towards Mac at this point. I also kind of feel though that. We're in a new wave in the NFL. This is about the McVays. This is about the Shanahans and the LaFleurs. And McCarthy feels like an old-school coach. I just don't know if it fits anymore.
2: Uh, Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll look at the rest of the NFL lineup, including the Green Bay Packers going down to Houston, taking on the Texans. We'll make our picks regarding that game as well. Stay tuned. This is the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We'll be back right after this.
3: You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
2: I mean, I don't think it's anything groundbreaking besides playing in our gaps and tackling. I mean, that's it. I don't think there's any, like, magic potion we need to sprinkle on it. We need to do our jobs, and we need to tackle. Welcome back. That is J.J. Watt. What's the matter with the uh, Texans' defense? They've got all kinds of issues there. So Michael Suttle continues on. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. By the way, this week on the bye, you got the Colts, the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Titans uh, coming up. So, uh, interesting look at the week um, when it comes to uh, – not the Titans, excuse me, not the Titans, because the Titans are playing the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, you got an interesting week coming up. You've got um, Seattle and the Raiders – and uh, the Saints and the Patriots uh, on the bye as well. So a lot of different, uh, a lot of different football being played this week as teams are taking the week off. And we are into the bye weeks now. Patriots and 49ers are going to be going at it later on. Um, this is all wrong. I don't know what I'm looking at here. Somebody printed this out and it's not correct because you got the Titans playing this week. The Vikings are not playing this week. I know that. I think they added the Titans in by mistake because uh, the Vikings, the Jaguars, are not playing this week, and then. Uh, and then the Colts are not playing this week. So, okay, yeah, they added the Titans in by mistake. So, okay, get rid of that. There you go. I just wanted to, because it sounded funny to me, and I knew the Titans were playing. Uh, that being said, I had to go through that mentally uh, out loud. It's kind of like doing math on the air. You don't ever do it. Uh, from CBS 58, Kevin Holden, and also Christina <laughs> Tussaud here as well. And, uh, yeah, I had to go through this. I was sitting here looking at the uh, the footballdiehards.com website, and they said the ones that are on the bye this week, and they added the Titans in, and that is incorrect. Uh, let's get back to it, by the way, because uh, we are talking about the games coming up this weekend and finishing off our picks in the next five minutes. Got the Buccaneers at four and two taking on the Raiders at three and two, and uh, I I don't know why I like the Raiders in this game, even though the Buccaneers played extremely well. Maybe it's a letdown game, maybe it's a trap game, but I'm liking the Raiders in this in this one. Christina, who you got?
0: Uh, I just think it's all about momentum for the Bucs. We saw what they what they can do against one of the top offenses in the league. The Raiders are not a top offense, and I go Bucs.
4: Kevin, uh, I almost slipped into Mike McCarthy for a second. Uh, Raiders, uh, uncommon opponent. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's it. Yeah, I'm going Buccaneers here.
2: Uh, so we continue on and we look at the Kansas City Chiefs that uh, in a divisional game, sitting at five and one on the season. Uh, meanwhile, the Denver Broncos just struggling just to get through. I mean, for as as much. As John Elway did for that franchise, bringing in Peyton Manning and turning it around and being able to get themselves a Super Bowl, it, is, it, it has been uphill sledding ever since. I take the Chiefs on the road. Kevin, back to you.
4: Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. This is going to be a two-touchdown win at least. Christina?
0: You know when you want to, like, punt on the rest of your season so that you can get a good draft pick? I just want the Broncos to punt on their season to get Elway out of the front office and Vic Fangio off wow. of the sideline. So I
2: take the Chiefs. <laughs> She's got the Chiefs in this one There's as well. Then we, team. there you go. Then you go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, sitting at one and five. The Chargers sitting at one and four. Uh, and both teams have shown signs that they can play with anybody. They just can't beat anybody. Uh, the Chargers uh, being at home, it's difficult to go from East Coast to West Coast. Therefore, I'm going to take the Chargers just strictly on the travel time, based upon that. And uh, Kevin, I'll go back over to you.
4: Yeah, I think I think you hit it right. The Packers struggled, you remember, when they went out there out out west and the Jaguars are not nearly as good of a team just in general, not as good of a franchise, not as good a logo, not as good of anything. That's it's going to be the Chargers in this one.
2: Christina?
0: Yeah, no old California dreaming for these East Coast teams these days. Uh I also think these Chargers just desperate for the first win at home and I love Justin Herbert, big Pac-12 guy. Uh, loved watching him play in the Rose Bowl, and I- I'll take the Chargers.
2: By the way, I'm, I know I'm not a complete idiot because this week the Titans were not supposed to be playing. Remember, this is the game that got rescheduled mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. because of the bye week. Yes. Okay, so I'm not a complete – I'm like, I, how could that be so wrong? I wrote that down and checked it at the <laughs> beginning of the season, so – I just didn't fill in the blank after uh, the game was rescheduled, but I, I I thought for a minute there I was smoking rope, and I just didn't realize it. Uh, let's get back to it. You've got the San Francisco 49ers sitting at three and three, the Patriots at two and three. A game under 500 after five games played that hasn't happened to Bill Belichick and since forever since Moses was a baby. I'm going to take the Patriots at home to get back to three and three. Uh, even though the 49ers are getting you know, their players back, they're coming back to full strength, I still think very difficult West Coast to East Coast. Uh, Christina, back over to you.
0: I think San Francisco is still just a little too banged up. I mean, you're. A lot, I, I like Jared McKinnon a lot. I covered him in college at Georgia Southern, but he's not the guy to get this job done. I think this is going to fall back on who's got the better quarterback, maybe the more mobile quarterback. I take the Patriots with Cam Newton.
4: Kevin? Yeah, we're going Patriots here only because we're getting close to Halloween and if you could think of a of a coach that would play an evil person on Halloween or any other week of the year it would be Belichick. So he's going to pull the old, uh, <laughs> the old the old the old <laughs> tricks of the fiery pits against the Niners this week.
2: Now the team that was shuffled is the uh, the Seahawks and the Cardinals because the game between the Buccaneers and the Raiders was moved to the afternoon because of the fear of COVID. The Raiders right now dealing with some COVID cases. We'll wait and see if their facility is able to open back up uh, and in time for this game to be played this coming weekend. That being said, the Seahawks are the night game. Seahawks undefeated. Cardinals at 4-2. and two. And the Cardinals, I've said all along, they're an up-and-coming team. I really like them. I just don't think they're ready to arrive just yet. But they're playing at home. Do they hand the Seahawks their first loss of the season? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to pick the uh, pick, which many seem to be think this is an upset. But I'm going to say the Cardinals get to five and two. The Seahawks go to five and one. Kevin, back to you.
4: Passing of the guard time. I, I like it. I'm not quite as confident. I, I think Seattle wins this game, but but I think you have got this thing just right that Arizona is ready to take their place among the better teams in the league at some point soon. Christina.
0: This is hard because I love Russell Wilson, but I think that containing Kyler Murray is going to be a little bit of a problem for Seattle. I don't have the faith in their defense. I'm going to go with the Cardinals.
2: See, that's just it. I think that Kyler Murray can do so much, and he will against uh, this Seahawks team, and the Seahawks just don't have enough defense to keep up. They're while Meanwhile, I think the Cardinals do have enough defense. This is the reason I'm making the pick the way I am. Then you've got the Monday night contest, another game I'm salivating for. The Chicago Bears leaving the friendly confines of the Midwest, heading out to the West Coast to take on the Rams, who are at 4-2. and two. I think the Rams are an ascending team, uh, wanting to retake their place uh, atop the NFC from just a couple of years ago. Uh, the Bears, I think you're going to look inept even though that defense is very very good I just don't think they're ready I think the Bears take the loss the Rams get the win and Christina back to you
0: I just think the Bears I said it before making a signature out of winning ugly this season that's what they do they get the job done behind their defense we saw them absolutely harass Teddy Bridgewater last Sunday all go Bears Kevin
4: no, I, I, I like the idea of the Rams have scored more points than the Bears. They've allowed fewer points than the Bears. I think uh, I think this thing finally flips back around for a Bears team that's uh, picked up a couple of lucky Ws so far.
2: And then the Packers looking to get back on track. Uh, they take on the 1-5 Texans down there, and we're going to be all covering this game, talking about this game. Uh, I got the Packers. I'm not going to say it's a runaway, but I think the Packers, I'm going to say if I had to pick a score, 35-17 in this contest. Ke- uh, Kevin?
4: Yeah, I think uh, this is one of those, when when Aaron Rodgers is angry on Wednesday, look out on Sunday.
0: 34-10.
2: <laughs> Christina?
0: Yeah, I don't think the Packers want to play into the critics' lap on uh, on this one, given, given the drama that came with their first loss of the season. So I'm going to take the Packers. I also just don't think that the Texans' defense can stand up to an Aaron Rodgers offense. I think they're giving up something like 400-something yards a game. So I'll, I'll go Packers all day on this.
2: There you go, an angry an angry Rogers on Wednesday lookout sons! That's like a red sky in morning, sailors take warning type of thing that Kevin shoots off at <laughs> us. Gang, it's great, been great. Thanks so much for joining me, okay? Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. There you go. Kevin Holden, Christina Tuso both from CBS 58. I'm Bill Michaels. Great to have you back aboard again this evening, and thanks for taking a listen to us. And for all of you listening on the Radio.com app, we were presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Time for us to go. Have a go. Cheers.
3: Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
2: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure
1: convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
3: That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bitch. Music. You set my world on fire. And even
0: podcasts. Whatever you love.